sleeping on the ground on this hard cement or tile waiting for the next plane to go to uh, Manila. What happens to your expectations when they are stomped on or delayed or even unfulfilled? There was a guy in the New Testament, a guy by the name of John the Baptist, and if you wouldn't mind turning with me to Luke chapter 7 verse 19. Normally we don't read this passage in Christmas time, but, but it fulfills every single part of the Christmas story, the asking of a question by John the Baptist to his cousin Jesus. You see, in Luke chapter 7, verse 19, it says this, and John calling two of his disciples to him sent them to Jesus saying, are you the coming one? Or, as it says in the New American Standard Version and in many other versions, it says, the expected one. The one that we've been waiting for for centuries and centuries and millennia. Are you the expected one? The coming one? Or do we look for another? You see, even John the Baptist, the one who was preparing the way for the Messiah, um, was having a questioning time. You see, at this time, he, he's in prison. All of his uh, disciples have, have, for the most part, gone away. The crowds that once used to follow John the Baptist, the mega church that he once preached at, is no longer around. And he asked the question of Jesus again, Verse 20, when the man had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you saying, are you the coming one, the expected one, or do we look for another? And that very hour he cured many of infirmities, afflictions, and evil spirits, and to many blind he gave sight. Jesus answered and said to them, go and tell John the things you have seen and heard, that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have the gospel preached to them, and blessed is he who is not offended because of me. So Father, today I, I ask that you would help us, however we came to this church, with whatever expectations we had, that we would know beyond a shadow of a doubt that they are all fulfilled in you. That, that you are the only one that can fulfill every single one of our expectations. Uh, that, that your Holy Spirit would move mightily in our midst today. That, that your word would uh, go forth uh, with might and power. That, that you would be preached today. That it wouldn't just be a, a, a glossed over service, but but to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that this is why we gather and worship. Because you came to this earth. The expected one. The Messiah. The Savior of the world. 
And so, Lord, speak to us today. We love you in Jesus' name. Uh, Amen and amen. The Israelites had been looking uh, for the Messiah since the fall. Uh, It was God who said to Adam and Eve, I I will send one who will crush the head of the serpent. Or or to Abraham, it's through you that all the nations of the world will be blessed. Or or to David, that there would be a coming one, an expected one, a, a descendant from the line of David who would save his people, the, the coming king, uh, the one who would deliver uh, them. Unfortunately, the, the Israelites had, had, had uh, you know, misinterpreted a lot of these passages. And, then, and for them, it was all about conquering their enemies, deliverance from the Assyrians and the Babylonians and the Greeks and the Romans. It, it was all about saving them as a nation from the wars and the uh, powers that surrounded them, protecting them physically. If you look in Isaiah chapter 35, uh, this was the heart of many of the Jews. Isaiah chapter 35 verse 4, it says this, Say to those who are fearfully hearted, Be strong, do not fear. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. With the recompense of God, he will come and uh, save you. Their idea of the Messiah was that he would come on a white horse and free them from their enemies with vengeance, that sword. Or, Or if you skip ahead to Isaiah chapter 61, verse 1, it says this, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me, or Messiah, the Messiah, to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our uh, God. Uh, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes. Their, their idea of a Messiah that would come would bring the vengeance of God upon their enemies. How, how did Jesus come, the Messiah? We, we celebrate that this time of year. Did he come as a a prince in a castle or or a king on a white horse? How did the Messiah come? As a babe in a manger. You see, the the Israelites had a hopeful expectation of what the Messiah would look like. Have you ever... Looked underneath that, that tree, and, and you know, I, I, last week I had the privilege of, of speaking about uh, Jesus the present, present, and the present. The, the whole idea of presence. What is that expectation that you have? That holding that present on your lap, and you have no idea what's in it. No one's told you. Uh, there's an expectation of what's inside, Right? And now that expectation can only be fulfilled when that present is opened, right? There is a fulfillment in the opening 
of the present. You see, there were several groups of people that, that had a desire or an expectation to see Jesus or the Messiah fulfilled in their time uh, period. In Luke chapter 1, verse 71, again, the Israelites say a man by the name of Zechariah, a, a high priest, the father of John the Baptist, wrote this. Luke 1, 71, it says that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. What, what was this expectation that the Israelites had during this time that Jesus was about to be born? Their desire was that he would come and save them from their enemies. This hopeful expectation that they had. There were other people that had expectations about Jesus Christ or the Messiah or the one who was coming or the expectant one. In Luke chapter 2, the traditional text that we normally read during Christmas time, we read about a, a couple. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quinarius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered. Everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were expectant or completed or uh, swollen for her to be uh, delivered. You, you understand the picture here. The, uh, again, this play on the words of the word expectant. She was expectantly expectant. Do you understand? This woman who was pregnant with the Messiah herself who was told that this would be the salvation, the one who would be named Jesus by definition salvation, who would bring salvation to people from their sins. And Mary and Joseph have been expectantly awaiting this baby, and in every single case, whenever we see Mary and Joseph, it's always a marvelous expectation. That this sense of, of wonder about this child that they get the privilege of raising the Son of God here on earth. How is this baby born? We read in Luke chapter 2, as we continue on in verse 6, it says, So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered, and she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the end. How did the Messiah the Savior of the world, come into this world to save men. 
Was it some extravagant, loud event that took place? No, it was just a babe born in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. What, what does that tell you about this couple? Were they rich? Were they able to afford a, a nice place to stay for their baby or, or go to a hospital? No, it was just a babe being born in a manger. Or if you skip ahead just a little bit, to verse 19 of chapter 2 in Luke, and it says, But Mary kept all these things and, and pondered them in her heart. Or verse 33 of chapter 2 of Luke, and it says, And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things that were spoken of him, their son, Jesus, the Messiah. There, there's this marvelous expectation that the parents of Jesus or the mom of Jesus had and his stepdad, uh, Joseph. This whole idea of there's this marvelous wonder and expectation that the Messiah has come. Or, or the next group that we're introduced to in the Christmas story, that they too had expectations. For them, it was a, an impulsive expectation. You see, there was a, a group of people out in the fields at night. Uh, you know this group of people, right? It was the shepherds. In Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20, we read this. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Who is the Savior for? Was it just for the Israelites or a certain group of people? What did the angels announce to those shepherds? For whom was the Messiah born? All people. Not just a, a certain group or a certain class or a certain nationality. But for all people, the Savior was born. What do the shepherds do? Verse 12, and this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem without even thinking impulsively with expectation, what do the shepherds do? They go immediately to where? Bethlehem. They, they go to Bethlehem and what do they See there, which the Lord has made known to us, verse 16. And they came with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning 
this child. You see, at this time, they didn't have CNN or Fox News or, or any of the newscasts that we have today. Who, who was the, the, the rumor mill or, or the people that would spread news from one area to another? It was those, those wandering shepherds who would take their sheep from one field to another. And as they would go, they would tell about the, what was happening in the village that they had just come from. And so these shepherds who uh, describe to every single person that they meet about this babe that was born in a manger in swaddling clothes and how the angels told them that this was the Savior, the Christ, the Messiah who was sent not just for Israel but for all people. They were impulsively expectant. Or the fourth group of people. And you, you know them, by the way. There was a guy waiting in the temple by the name of Simeon. In Luke chapter 2, verse 22 through 35, we, we learn about an old guy who had all his life been longingly expectant for the Messiah to come in his lifetime. Forty days later, after Mary had given birth, it was the requirement of the law that they would go and they would give their sacrifice, their, their cleansing, not only of Mary, but but presenting their baby boy and redeeming him back. In Luke chapter 2, verse 22, we read this. Now when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, was completed, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him, Jesus, to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who opens the womb shall be called holy uh, to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord a pair of turtle doves or two young uh, pigeons. You see, in order to redeem that firstborn son, uh, the couple would have to present their son and, and they would have to also, along with that son, present a redeeming sacrifice. And in the book of Leviticus, it says that normally it should have been a lamb, but for poor people or people with, with very little means, it, they could have also presented two birds or two turtle doves, uh, the less expensive of the sacrifices. The, these two birds that, that could have been even caught and, and brought and, and and presented with Jesus that were, were sacrificed and redeemed for the redemption of their oldest son. But there was a man in the temple at this time, verse 25. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. This man had an expectation. He, he had this longing expectation, not, not only in terms of just a, a, a deep desire to see the Messiah, but for all of his life, he had been looking for the expectant one. He, he had been looking for the consolation of Israel, the one who would come and bring salvation 
to the Israelites. Verse 26, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ or the Lord's Messiah. Can you imagine that? Waiting your your whole life for that expected day when finally you would see the Messiah with your own eyes. Simeon had been longingly, expectantly waiting for the Messiah. And on this day, when Mary and Joseph bring their son to the temple, what does Simeon see? And what does Simeon say? And when the parents brought the Lord or the child Jesus to do to him according to the custom of the law, verse 28, Simeon took him up in his arms and blessed God and say, look now as he's holding up that babe in his arms. You are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation which you have prepared before the face of all peoples a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people uh, Israel you see Simeon uh, had the correct perspective this longing expectation uh, that he had to see the one who would not only save Israel but be a light to the Gentiles as well, those that were non-Jewish or, or, or non-Israelite. For everybody on the earth. Verse 33, and Joseph and his mother again marveled at these things that were spoken of him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, behold, this child is destined for the fall and the rise of many in Israel, and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. This prophetic word that that he gave to Mary, that your very soul will be broken or pierced at what you see happens to your son. You see this, this expectation uh, that, that we all have this time of year. We, we, we come with various expectations, whether, whether it's hopeful or whether it's marvelous or, or whether it's this desire for a, a longing expectation, this, this desire to understand what it means to be saved or to be a Christian. I, I don't know how you came to this church. Uh, maybe you're an eco-friendly Christian. I don't know. Easter Christian only. Sorry, Easter Christmas only. Uh, Do you understand? Uh, I don't know if you came because someone had to drag you. Or, or, you know, maybe it was a family member that invited you or a neighbor. All I know that all of us come with various expectations. And there's only one who can fulfill every single one of our expectations. There's only one, and they're all fulfilled within Jesus Christ. 
There was another person waiting at the temple who also saw the dedication of Jesus Christ. There was a lady by the name of Anna. She had a respectful expectation. Verse 36 of Luke chapter 2, we read this. Now there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age and had lived with her husband seven years from her virginity. And this woman was a widow of about 84 years who did not depart from the temple but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. This lady had only been married for about seven years and then then the last part of her life after her husband had died, she had dedicated her life, these some 50, 60 years of of her life to service in the temple itself, meeting those that had needs, reaching out to those that needed prayer, helping those in the temple. And what does she see as she is this 84-year-old lady? As she sees this young couple bringing their newborn babe to be dedicated to the temple. And what does she see? Verse 38. And coming in that instance, she gave thanks to God and spoke of him to all who looked for the redemption in Jerusalem. That respectful expectation that this lady by the name of Anna had. And seeing this babe, what does she do to every single person that she meets after this this revealing or this expectation has been fulfilled? What does she do? She tells everybody that she knows. Every single person that comes in after uh, this event takes place, Anna says, let me tell you about the babe. Uh, Let me tell you about the one who's going to redeem us. Uh, The one that his parents had to redeem with these two turtle doves and is now going to redeem us, the people of Israel. Or... The next group, this sixth group here, they had a divine expectation. You see, after uh, Mary and Joseph had traveled from Bethlehem to Israel, they had gone home to their uh, city of Nazareth and, and they had made this you know, 90-mile journey uh, back home. And, and as they're living in their town of Nazareth, uh, far away... This group of people have been searching the skies. These astronomers, these wise men. They had been searching for uh, not a, a person per se from Israel, but a person who would be a great king. In Matthew chapter 2, we read this. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. They had a divine expectation that this kingly person who would be the great 
king. And they had followed his star, this heavenly sign. They go to Jerusalem. They question Herod, the, the in-king at that time. Verse 3, and when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And so they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. This prophetic event that had been foretold some 500, 600 years earlier in the book of Micah. This one who would be born in Bethlehem. And so the wise men of that day, the, the, the priests of that day tell these foreigners, these people from the east, go to this town. It continues on, verse 7. And when Herod when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. You, you know the story, right? Was that Herod's actual motivation? No. What did Herod want to do with this little baby boy? Verse 9, and when they heard the king, they departed. Behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till they came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, fell down and worshiped him. This amazing journey that these wise men had had come, this, this, this long journey, this, this several year journey, as, as you kind of read the history behind this, he is approximately two years old at this time. And, and these wise men, they bring this entourage of, of not only gifts, but of, of people and animals. And, and they surround this home. And, and what do they do when they see this babe? Uh, th this long journey that they've been on divinely inspired this divine expectation that they come to as they realize that this child is the great king, the king of kings. And what do they do? They fall down and they worship him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. This divine expectation that they had. In every single case, who fulfills the expectations of all these people? It's Jesus Christ. Verse 12, and you know the rest of the story. It says it right there, by the way, in verse 12. Then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. We talk about the journey there to where Jesus was at, this long journey following the star. 
But do you understand they had to take the same journey back home? That this long journey uh, back. Again, it was December 17th, 1998. I remember being stuck in an airport in Bangkok waiting to go and see this person that I was interested in. I had to sleep on the floor. There was an expectation in my heart. What would she say when I popped the question? You see, I had met this beautiful lady in the Philippines. I thought she was. She was a nurse. She had been a missionary for over 10 years at the time that I met her. She had a desire to work with the people in the Philippines. She was Filipino herself, never left the country. She came to our, our group of missionaries and trained us in, in, in medicine and, and how to give shots and, and what to do if someone breaks their leg in the middle of nowhere or, or malaria or all the various diseases in Southeast Asia. I was enthralled with this person. And so I, I had, had arranged to be able to go and, and see her during Christmas in 1998 along with her and her family. And hopefully get a, a sense of what it was like maybe to, you know, get to know her better. Or even ask her to marry me. I, I had no ring at that time. I was a poor missionary. I, all I had was the question. All I had was me. And so I, I show up in this, this airport in Manila after, you know, literally over a day's travel. And, and I take a jeepney you know, to where all the rest of the jeepneys where it go, the, where you go to the various places throughout the uh, city of Manila. And, and it was pouring rain. I mean, just literally pouring rain. I did not have an umbrella or they call it a pamaypai. And, and I had no means of protecting myself with, from the rain. Everybody else is, is smart standing underneath some sort of shelter, you know, uh, whether uh, umbrellas themselves or, or, you know, overhangs from buildings. And, and I'm walking trying to find the jeepney that I need to take in order to go and see uh, this person. This expectation that I had, this, this anticipation, and would it be... Um, fulfilled. Would my question be answered in the positive? You see, in every single case, at the meeting of Jesus Christ, every single one of the expectations are always fulfilled in one person. Jesus Christ. We, we all have expectations. We all have desires. And guess what? Many times when we open up that present, you know, is that expectation always met? Not all the time. The, the thrill is there, but then it falls flat. There was a man by the name of John the Baptist. The very question on the lips of him as he's sitting in prison waiting for himself to be beheaded. 
And he had the question on the lips of every single person of the day. In Luke chapter 7, verse 19, we return to the question that John the Baptist had. Are you the expected one? Are you the one that we've been longing for? Are you the coming one? Are you the one that we've been waiting for all this time? You see, John the Baptist had sacrificially given his whole life to the cause, to God himself. He had given up his priesthood and had lived in the wilderness, baptizing people in the Jordan River. He had given up the nice clothes or the the robes that he could have worn as a priest's son and worn camel's clothes. He, He gave up the privilege of being able to eat of those sacrificial offerings, the, the, the right of the priest, the, the ability to be paid with those sacrifices and given those up and instead was eating locusts and honey in the wilderness. He was arrested by Herod and is now waiting his death in a prison. And he asked the question of Jesus through his apostle or through his disciples. Are you the coming one or should we look for another? That expectation that John the Baptist had along with everybody else in that day. Are you the Messiah, Jesus? Are are you the one that will save people from their sins? Are you the one that we've been waiting for? Are are you that present that, that we hope will solve all of our problems Or should we look for another? In Luke chapter 7, verse 18, it says this, Then the disciples of John reported to him concerning all these things. And John called two of his disciples to him, sent them to Jesus, saying, Are you the expected one, the coming one, or do we look for another? And when the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? And that very hour, he cured many with infirmities. Does Jesus say no or yes? Does he give an affirmation or a negative? What does he do? Does he even speak at this time? What does Jesus do to prove that he is the Messiah? He fulfills prophecy. He proves it with actions. He doesn't say, I'm the Messiah, believe in me. No, what does Jesus do? He proves it through his actions. In verse 21, he cures many with infirmities, afflictions, and evil spirits. And to many blind, he gave sight. You see, it's more than just a hopeful expectation or a a marvelous expectation or, or a divine expectation. In every single case, when Jesus fulfills our expectations, he always does it with real proof. It does, it's just not some pie in the sky. It's just not some theory. Uh, there, there's substance. 
And what does Jesus tell John's disciples to tell John the Baptist? The one that had these questions, by the way. What does he say? Verse 22. And Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John the things you have seen and heard. In every single case, it's always what you've seen and what you've heard. Tell that to John the Baptist. The fulfilling of prophecy. Uh, that the blind see. The lame walk. The lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. The poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. You see, the fulfillment of every single one of our expectations can only be filled Every single one of them can only be filled by he who is the highest of all. The holiness incarnate. Just as we were talking about last week, Emmanuel, God with us. The present, present in the present. The one who is the gift that lives intimately within us now. Holiness incarnate, Emmanuel. And how does Jesus show John the Baptist that he has fulfilled all prophecy? He shows him. He tells his disciples, tell John the Baptist what you have seen. The fulfillment of all prophecy. I don't know what your expectations are today. I have no idea. But I do know what we have sung earlier from Acts chapter 4 verse 12. Now there is salvation in no other for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby or where, by which we must be saved. Uh, this is the perfect time of year to come to have a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. This is the perfect time of year where, where there, there's finally a present, maybe it's been your whole life, where there's finally a present that you get that when you open up, it finally fulfills that expectation. And not just the expectation of, of, of your life, but the expectation of everything within you. That feeling of that void. Only fulfilled through Jesus Christ himself. You see, I, I was that guy waiting in that Bangkok uh, airport and then going to Manila and then getting rained on. And, and then going to where I uh, knew this, this lady would be. And going there and, and then, uh, you know, there, there's no, you know, 
reciprocation of, of my, my, my friendship to her. And I, I'm wondering, what, what have I done wrong? My expectation, uh, you know, has been popped. And then, you know, at times crying even. And then understanding that in the Philippine culture, I had to go and meet her family. And so I met her family in this small remote village up in the northern part of the Philippines. And I got to know my then um, future wife, Emily Milan. And then after 10 days going back to Thailand and then, and then going on to another mission field and, and then coming back and, and later on the next year in November, getting married to that same lady. This expectation that I had. And the amazing thing is God taught me during that whole year, wait, wait, wait. Let me fulfill your expectations. Let me fulfill the desires of your heart. Let me be your present, your gift. Let me be the one that brings you together, not you forcing it or, or bringing it about through some magnificent trip. But let me be the one that brings it about in your life. You see, for the people of Israel, the whole expectation was that it was for them, the Messiah. And God had a better plan. He always has a better plan. Who is the Messiah for? Has he revealed in himself salvation to everyone? The offering of that present, that gift for all peoples. The fulfilling that can only be fulfilled in Jesus Christ. In every single case, whether it's a marvelous expectation, whether it's a joyful expectation, or whether it's a divine expectation, whatever your expectations may be, I know that there is only one person that can fulfill them all. There's this amazing hymn. It says this, Come thou long expected Jesus, born to set thy people free. From our fears and sins release us. Let us find our rest in thee. Israel's strength and consolation, hope of all the earth thou art, dear desire of every nation, joy of every longing heart. Or as it says in verse 2, born thy people to deliver, born a child and yet a king, born to reign in us forever, now thy gracious kingdom bring. By thine own eternal spirit, rule in all our hearts alone, by thine all-sufficient merit, raise us to thy glorious throne. Who's the only one that can fulfill all of our expectations. It is fulfilled only through Jesus Christ. Sing with me as we sing uh, this song. 
Come, thou long-expected Jesus, born to set thy people free. From all fears and sins, release us. Let us find our rest in thee. Israel's strength and consolation, hope of all the earth thou art. Dear desire of every nation, joy of every longing heart. Second verse. Born thy people to deliver, born a child and yet a king, born to reign in us forever, now thy gracious kingdom bring. Bind thine own eternal spirit, rule in all hearts alone. By thine all-sufficient merit, raise us to thy glorious throne. And so, Father, today we ask that you would remind us again. And may maybe we've been coming uh, every single Christmas our whole life. Uh, maybe, maybe we're here just for the first time. And we come with various expectations and I ask today that you would fulfill every single one of those in our hearts today. That that expectation, that the deepest longing of our hearts, the salvation of our souls, the, the fulfillment of who you are, that asking of, of the question that we have, the deepest one, are you the expected one? Are, are you the Messiah that you would reveal that to us. And I can think of no other greater day than, than this time of year, than this uh, Sunday where we celebrate your birth, the fulfillment of every single one of the prophetic words that come from the Old Testament are found in you. The expected one has revealed himself to us as our salvation. And so, Lord, I, I ask that you prick the hearts of every single person here, that we would examine ourselves, that we would bring our, our, ourselves to you, that, that we would realize that, that you have a present, a gift for us that is greater than any gift we could ever hope for. Great, greater than uh, a, a wrapped present with a bow on it, greater than even uh, um, the expectation of a, of a spouse or a friendship or, or, or some type of, of journey that we may take. But in every case, to know that you are the fulfillment of all of our expectations, Father. We thank you for sending your Son to earth for us. The perfect gift. Lord, help us to desire you more and more and more every day. We love you. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen and amen.